Welcome to the Mental Health Boot Camp Podcast. We are three psychotherapists from Canada, one from America, serving you cutting-edge mental health knowledge. I am Ryan Howes, a California psychologist. I'm Chris Boyd, a therapist up in the Vancouver area. I'm Brooke Lewis, also a therapist in the Vancouver, Canada area. And I'm uh, Joanna Boyd, uh, younger sibling to Chris Boyd, and I'm also in Vancouver, Canada area. Yes, thank you for clarifying that. That is uh, helpful to know we have siblings on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And maybe some, some family dynamic issues will come out at some point. You guys will be like... <laughs> you never know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you each talk about being your, your parents' favorite child, right? Oh, boy. You know, what's funny about that is uh, when I send my mom money, my question is, who is your, your name or your favorite child? That's the question for the, uh, to, to download the money. And uh, my mom never misses a beat. So, you know, when I saw her after doing that, she's like, oh, I got on my fourth try. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, I have three siblings. So. Oh, that is good. Good sense of humor up there. Uh, gosh, guys, this is a lot of fun. This is the seventh time we've done this podcast. We are. We were just talking about how much we're enjoying it. I hope there's some listeners out there who are also enjoying it. I'm happy to say that we have we have become uh, we're going international here. Not just our two countries, but uh, France has joined the game now. Isn't that cool? Yes. So welcome, French listeners. Bonjour. Oh, that's right. You guys all learn French, don't you? Or you're supposed to. It's yeah. whether or not you retain <laughs> it is the question. I have not retained it. What, and I opted what, out after grade nine. Yeah. What year? Yeah. What years do you learn this? Is it, is it mandatory? Yeah. Until grade nine. Yeah. And okay. then you can pick. There are some schools, though, that are French immersion. So kids are essentially learning in French, like their subjects are all in French and everything. So there are special schools for that. Right. Mm -hmm. That's pretty wild. That's that's cool. Well, so you guys can speak a little bit of French, except for Brooke. Can't speak any? I can speak very, very minimal compared to these guys, probably. That's my guess. Un petit peu. Just a little. Yeah, I know. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So all listeners, our French listeners out there, send us your questions in French. And Joanna will translate. Joanna will translate. <laughs> Info at mentalhealthbootcamp.com. We will gladly field your questions or anyone's questions in basically any language that Google Translate will help us use. And, uh, and we'll try to answer your questions. Just love, love to hear from people. So uh, we were just also talking about the fact that this happens to be a very hot weekend coming up here, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And it is. It's, it's a hot. It's it's, it's uh, very hot. It's going to be 44 here in California, where I am. 44 Celsius, uh, which is 111, 112 degrees. Oh my gosh! Ridiculous. <laughs> I would and, melt. I would and, melt. And you guys were telling me that you're going to be all the way up into the 80s. Yeah, 80, yeah. 82.4. <laughs> wow. I just, just a smoker. That's there's, 
Uh, just a little quick question before we go to the to the ambush. Do you guys notice that that as the temperatures get higher, that people's emotional temperature also gets higher? Do, do uh, tempers flare during hotter times? Mm, people like don't go to session <laughs> when it's hot out up here. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the case of the sunnies. Yeah. Like we talked about last time. Yeah, mm-hmm. everyone ditches out and goes to the beach or hangs out outside. I think yeah. it depends on the person. I feel like some people can get more irritable if you're just feeling uncomfortable. But if you're able to kind of sit outside on purpose in the sun, be able to relax, I think that's a bit of a different experience. Yeah, I'm assuming that you have a lot of air conditioning down there in California. For us, it's not necessarily the case. So we have fans, um, but uh, only a select few probably have air conditioning. So, mm. uh, yeah, so... What I hear a lot of is lack of sleep, tossing and turning, sweating. So, and that will have a ripple effect for sure in terms of irritability and the next day. If you haven't heard the episode, check back to episode six of the Mental Health Bootcamp podcast for sleep hygiene tips. Just calling back there. There we go. Uh, I think that, uh, yes. So for you guys, the heat is kind of a novelty and it's kind of maybe a reason to go outside and to really enjoy yourself out there. We we have an abundance of heat and sunshine down here. So it's it's not really novel. And when it gets too hot, I I do sense that people get a little crankier, get a little more irritable. Maybe it does affect their sleep as well. But uh, yeah, people just kind of, the tempers run a little higher. And during a particularly tense time, in the world right now, I think that's uh, I guess something to be aware of. So, so keep cool and keep your cool <laughs> this weekend, everybody, if possible. Mm. Is there anything that people do to to manage? We've talked about stress, but like irritability, like is there an antidote to to just being like waking up on the wrong side of the bed or the hot side of the bed? This sounds like a an ambush topic right there. Oh, I'm, not trying, to, I'm not trying to take that. Uh, okay. Well, I, if I can't sleep, it's something sometimes as simple as uh, turning over my pillow because there's something about the cool side of that pillow that oh, kind of helps. So good. It's a yeah. minor thing, but it's something mm. for sure. We're yeah. definitely trying to have some kind of airflow. I'm fortunate. I'm in a basement suite, so yeah. um, I definitely, it doesn't get as hot as it would for like Chris, you're in an apartment there and Brooke, I'm not sure what your house is like, but. Yeah, I think I try to make that pivot, you know, if I'm irritable in the morning, usually uh, something like a good meal or exercise or something, a walk will yeah. kind of get me back to where I need to be. Yeah. I think it's a good place for gratitudes as well, you know, if you're yeah, gratitude, yeah. really trying to focus on, okay, what's actually going well right now? What am I actually grateful for? That can help yeah. change that mood. Maybe, I like to uh, just uh, be silly. I like to try and be playful or silly during times of irritability. So nice. um, pajama dancing or um, blowing bubbles, like not actually with bubbles, but you know, like oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, trying to mimic my dogs. That's like, good. So just trying to bring out the playful or silly side. Yeah. Singing in the shower is a fantastic one too. I mean, just the, uh, the sound or the vibration in the throat can, help uh, physiologically calm us down too. So belting out some songs. Okay, this is good. 
This is good. All right. I didn't mean to ambush you with the secret ambush because today's <laughs> ambush is, is coming from Joanna. And oh. for those who may be first time listeners, the ambush is when one of us comes up with a topic for the day. The other three don't know what that topic is. And we just have to respond. Seat of our pants, on the cuff, off the cuff, whatever that is. Um, so we don't know what Joanna's going to talk about. So we have to, uh, to wait and see. Should I send it your way? She's going to send me a text message. I've never seen this before, and we will go from there. Go for it. So this is a, it's a little bit of a different uh, something we haven't really done before, this kind of question format. So. Oh, boy. Try ambush, then. Wow. This is, this is very ambushy. Yes, it is. I don't is. know if it's the same topic. Joanna mentioned a topic to me last week, and I, I was like, that would be a really good ambush topic. So, yep. You got it. It's so good. <laughs> How would you answer this question posed to you by a female adult client? Okay, so this is speaking to us as therapists. How would you answer this question posed to you by a female adult client in her early 40s? Here's the question. How do I know if I love my dad? Wow. And then if I don't love him, then why am I still so impacted by what he does and says? Wow, this is different. This is like yeah. a your Abby question. It's good. I think it's uh I went to Brooke after as I was just it was just kind of debriefing my session a little bit, but this client comes from a place of yeah, she kind of started the session off that way. And then I had I had my responses to which we kind of explored. Um but she comes from a a, a dad who um was not the most loving uh, growing up, uh, more strict and, um, it's just, she didn't really, other than the monetary kind of being provided for and household over, you know, a house over a roof over her head and things like that. Um, she didn't really receive what she, you would, many would think would be love. So she asked this question cause she's been kind of struggling a lot with her relationship with her dad. And then the following one was, uh, yeah, she wondered if I don't love him, then why am I still so impacted? And I kind of had my theories about that as well. So I thought I'd kind of throw it to you guys and see what comes to mind or how would you explore that with the client? Wow. Okay, this is, this is a lot to unpack here, right? Because I think we have to talk about what is love, right? We have to mm -hmm. define yeah. that. Mm -hmm. uh, we have to talk about what, you know, what love might look like. Is it, is it just feeling is it uh is it also action yeah. we have to talk about power as well because you're talking about someone feeling like feeling impacted by her dad but we're not sure um is that impact because of love or is it because of something else oh my gosh there's a lot here yeah i think it's, it's a little more than we'll probably get to thoroughly in the next uh, little while but uh yeah oh i think we can do it mm -hmm. We've got, we've got a few minutes. So, and we've got, you know, four therapists to figure this out. I think we can do this. That's like eight hemispheres of the brain to work on this. We can do it. Yeah. I think um, the question I thought about, cause I was like, oh gosh, I was like, what a question. And so I pushed, I kind of like hit a question back to her and I was like, well, how do like, how do you know you're loved by someone? Like what, like how, like we tried to, to find love, but not so much just like, how do you know you're loved by someone? And then she was able to list off a few different things, right? Like if I, a loving relationship is one in which I feel safe in, or it's nurturing. Um, 
um, you know, someone who is there for me. It's like those are things she listed off and we kind of started there mm. so that we could ultimately kind of get her idea of what actually love is and then maybe look at her relationships that way. But Okay. Yes. So she was talking about like signs, things that you would notice that might point to. Might well, indicate. that's what I went to. I went yeah. to that place yeah. with her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because she's trying to answer this question because she doesn't know if she does love him. And she now feels guilty about that. Uh, And then she also continues to be impacted by his actions. So she's like, if I don't love him, then why am I still so impacted? And then I feel like that dips into attachment a little bit. So, Wow, it does. Is this, are these actions current actions or is she talking about like she's impacted from historical actions? Uh, Current. Current, okay. Yeah, he's involved uh, in their lives and um, with her, with her children and stuff. Hmm. Okay. It's it's interesting, you know. We often uh, there's like a social or cultural expectation that you need to to love family. You have to love parents, right? But often uh, we're faced with dilemmas like this. Um, you know, we get to meet uh, a range of people and clients and and people in our social networks that maybe didn't have the strongest attachment or bond with those caregivers, right? Um. Or maybe the securest. Or the it securest, might have been yeah. A strong, insecure attachment, right? Like it's. Let's let's break that down a little bit, shall we? For folks who might not be so familiar with attachment theory, I think that's yeah. a great topic to explore. So, Brooke, you want to take a stab at that? Me? <laughs> oh, I, I thought you were just going to kind of go into it. Um, so, attachment theory is is based off. Well, really, you can grow attachment throughout your life, but a lot of it has grown during your early years to your primary caregivers. And depending on how your needs are met during those early young years, you will develop either secure or insecure attachments to those primary caregivers. So when we look at this theory, it's saying when we're uh, newborns and infants and, and young children, we highly rely on our caregivers for our survival. And... And so we need to know that we're nurtured for and taken care of for, for food, but also for emotional regulation. So if you're in distress, that somebody is going to cue and take care of you emotionally. And so if there's a consistent pattern of your needs being met, emotional, physical, then you can form a secure attachment to that primary caregiver. And your nervous system will develop with them to be one that is more regulated versus a caregiver that's inconsistent, so isn't tending to those needs, or if they're um, sporadic in how they're responding to you, sometimes they do and sometimes they don't, then your attachment to them is going to be insecure. And that might look at like different behaviors as you grow up. So whether that's your nervous system being more anxious um, or hot and cold, maybe more emotionally reactive. Avoidant. Avoidant. You might feel a bit of that love yo-yo. Like, so I want to be close to you, but I'm scared if I'm close to you, you're going to hurt me. And that's a sign of inconsistent attachment when you're younger. Um, so while, like what Chris said, there's, uh, like it might be a strong attachment, meaning you're strongly attached to your caregiver, but that doesn't mean it's necessarily secure, that it's a healthy attachment. 
That was a fantastic description, Brooke. Right off was. the cuff. Ryan? I took, yeah, some, like, I took some notes. <laughs> <laughs> you like, remember to ask Brooke about this after. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Joanna really. was like nodding. I was like, okay, good, good, good. That yeah. was really, really well done. And and yes, the idea is that, that attachment styles tend to be kind of the same over time unless someone really works on on that and uh, and is able to go from an insecure attachment to what's called we call earned security right where they learn to kind of trust that uh, some relationships will be able to, to uh, support me and be there for me and be consistent with me right mm -hmm. so so yes so then to bring it back then to to this this woman's case here we've got someone who's wondering do I even love my father. And, and I also love that the point of people can be close, but not necessarily loving, right? People mm -hmm. can be, their wives can, well, lives can be woven together, but that doesn't mean that that's a loving relationship necessarily. I think there's a famous song that we could quote here just to say, what's love got to do with it? I think it's all attachment. <laughs> no, yeah, because it's a, it's a secondhand emotion, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Any, anything else continue Brooke. Yeah. i just say who needs a heart when a heart can be broken right <laughs> oh, that's good because there's i think there's this premise too like uh with people with family right if they're family blood family then there might need to be this expectation or i'm expected to love them or feel a certain way but when families or family relationships are so tumultuous or from the get-go if there's that insecure or um, avoidant kind of attachment, anxious attachment. Ah, uh, gosh, it just comes becomes a bit complicated, right? Um, and then it kind of, I think it'll affect how you attach to people as an adult, or you know, as you, your adult relationships yeah. as well. Oh, for sure. Like the research says, is the quality of our connections, the quality of our relationships, the quality of our attachments to our lives that makes a difference, right? For our mental health as well as our physical health. So it doesn't say it's the quality of our attachments and relationships with family members. Right. Um, and unfortunately there's, um, you know, if, if those connections are not there, then there's lots of opportunities to maybe develop those close connections with others. Right. Um, so, so again, I think it's often that so social or cultural expectation that, you know, you're supposed to have that strong bond with parents. Right. It's, uh, it's often portrayed in so many different uh, avenues. Right. Um, yes, that's very true. I, I want to throw out another little, uh, another little piece to this, which is, is kind of a, a folksy saying that I've heard and, and used many times, which is the opposite of love isn't hate. The opposite of love is indifference. Difference. Yes. Right? So the idea that, that, you know, you can love someone or hate them, either, both of those are strong feelings, powerful feelings towards the other person. Indifference is the absence of feeling, right? It doesn't matter one way or the other. You're, you're you know, dead to me, as they might say, right? And so she may have some very strong feelings towards, towards her dad. They may be loving feelings. They may be hate feelings. They may be a mixture of the two. Um, but just because she's close and has a lot of feeling there doesn't necessarily mean that it's love. And, and this may also go to the, the second part there of, of why does he have so much influence over me? Well, if you have that closeness with somebody, even if it's not a positive closeness, they can have influence over you, right? 
You know, if you're, if you have a, a, a neighbor who plays their music too loud and, and uh, keeps you up all night, you don't love them, but they're sure making an influence on you, right? Mm -hmm. It's a negative influence, but it's an influence. But there's also, like you said, the power differential in that, not just from uh, like child parent power, but also female male power. And looking at that and how much can you stand up as a daughter to a father who's the run of the house, if, we're, if this is like a nuclear patriarchal family, right? Like there's um, an element to that as well. So yes, the, the male in the household is going to have a lot of influence. Yeah, I think that's it's and there's some cultural components as well, I think, but there's that feels like the inability, there's no point in raising my concerns about my relationship with my dad at this point, because he will either get upset or he will not acknowledge his, you know, his response or his part in this. Yeah. Um, so she's just chosen to kind of keep her mouth closed and just kind of coexist. They kind of live below them. But uh, anyways. Yeah. So that's a tough part of it too, right? As a child, you know, we depend so much on our caregivers for that, that, that nurturing connection for that love. Right. And uh, if you don't get it, it leaves a bit of a void there. And often you, we seek that approval down later on in life. Right. We, uh, we want to get that connection. We want to get that approval from those parents who maybe weren't there for us, who didn't, uh, you know, supply us with adequate support back as a child. So let's, let's, if you don't mind, let's pull this back for a second to how the, the original question, you know, how, how was a, how will a person know if they love another person, right? Like, I love the way that you, you tackled it, Joanna, by just saying, well, how do you know if you're loved, right? How do you, what do you experience? Um, but what is it that we might be able to know about ourselves regarding loving feelings towards another person? I mean, is it, is it truly about, the feeling is that is that the sum of it is there more to it than that what what tells you that you're you love someone right and that goes into the different types of love right um compassionate love versus companionate love so like compassionate or uh what's it and romantic is it romantic love what's the other one so the first one is just like the sheer emotional impact right mm -hmm. and then it turns into a deeper more compassionate and companionate love so as you're you build that relationship the honeymoon phase is over the honeymoon phase is just your release of chemicals and hormones but once that subsided and you get to know the other person and you start to care for them then you build a deeper understanding of love with them and so love can change love is not going to be the same depending on the relationship you're in like mm. a friend versus a new relationship versus a 20-year relationship with your parents with your siblings whatever it might be mm. Mm. Yeah, many different types of love, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, passion or compassionate. I've heard those terms before. But uh, I think it's, there's definitely a, a, a feeling associated with it. And often people talk about uh, that sensation in the heart. So there's actually a lot of neurons around the heart. So often it kind of manifests or shows up within uh, um, in that area of the body, right? Oh, yes. I've been... I've been felt heartbreak before that really truly does feel like a pain in the chest and and also a passionate love that also is feels like it's strong in the chest and uh and a little exhausting after a while frankly <laughs> very pleasant but also exhausting yep yeah i i think another key point is reciprocation right 
because you could have um, um, you know love towards someone else, but if that if they're not reciprocating that back or giving that back, then you know is, is that uh, healthy? You know. Well, there's sure. I think yes, I agree with that. I mean, the the relationship and the reciprocity, and you know, are we in a loving relationship is one question. But I think she's just asking, do I love my father? Right? Is, um, and that one way street, is there actually love there? Yeah, I, yeah, for what has been a loving relationship, what was explored by her, and I relate in some ways, like, you know, you look for that, um, just feeling care for that person or feeling uh, nurtured by someone and, and vice versa. And there's a sense of being like safety and trust um, for this person in this relationship. Um, and so mm -hmm. for them, it was, some of those things weren't there present with a dad. Uh, I think it was um, appreciation for him and respect. There yeah. was respect for him, but that was about it. And I think she's learned to really not feel much more given that her needs haven't been met in that way for so, so long. So it's almost like there's no, she doesn't really care to explore that in any other way. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, sure. I, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I was going to say, I also think of, uh, I don't know, when you love someone, you just want, you care for their needs and not necessarily always above your own, but it's just, you, you, you want what's best for someone or you might yes. want to go out of your way to do something for them or, um, I think that gets into a slippery slope too, though, Joanna, I agree. Um, the reciprocity of it, like you want to be care for the other person, the other person to care for you. The slippery slope is, I feel like I have a lot of clients where the parents are struggling with their own challenges. Um, and so that caring comes across as anxiety, rigidity, control, mm -hmm. uh, anger, whatever it might be, because they're so concerned for the other person, they want the best for them, and they don't believe the choice that they're making is the right one, so then they get angry and upset and whatever. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. So it's just some, something to point out. Like sometimes uh, people will be like, I don't think my parent loves me because and then the parents view is like, I love them so much. And that's why I'm doing this. And it, it gets very lost in translation, not saying what the parent is doing is healthy. <laughs> need to rein that back in. But um, I think it can be a slippery slope sometimes. Definitely. I, uh, a, a few years ago, I chimed in on an, uh, someone was writing an article on love versus lust. And I know this mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily apply when we're talking about father, child, parent, child, but um, so I was wanting to say, how can you tell the difference between a lustful relationship and a loving relationship? And it came down to the, for me, I, I was talking about the fact that it's, uh, that lust is really more about you meeting your needs. You know, I want, I want you for my desires. You know, I want you because that would feel really good for me, right? <laughs> Whereas love by comparison is much, much more selfless in, in terms of saying, I want what's ever best for this person. Like, I want, I want what, and, and even I think that the purest form of love in this way would be completely non-possessive and saying, I want what's best for you, even if it's not me. Right. And, uh, that's a, that's, that's a hard, hard level to reach. But, uh, I guess in thinking about, about this client, Joe, I wonder, I wonder if that might be a, another way to approach this. Like, what are your, independent of your own needs and your own feelings, 
what are your wishes and, and feelings for the father here? You know, do you want his happiness? Do you want his joy? Do you want, do you want him to have a good outcome here? Or, or is it more about, I just want him in my life because I want to fix this or, you know, something else. Yeah. You know, another interesting component too is the, uh, people express love in different ways, right? So you mm -hmm. think of the love languages as well. So I've met people who say, no, of course I love my family. I work every day and I supply um, a supply for them. I make sure there's food on the table and that the bills are paid for. So in their minds, they are conveying that love in a very different way than the person is interpreting it, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of curious about that too. Are there some things that maybe the father has done in, in his own eyes, maybe that's his way of showing that he does care for his daughter, right? Yeah, I think it's, um, no, for sure. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a very great question, right? Because then we, like naturally what we're kind of getting into too is like healthy and unhealthy relationships versus loving and unloving relationships. Like, and, and how do they kind of go together and what does that look like? Mm -hmm. There ends up being so much to explore because there's so, so much to think about, unpack from your childhood with this person or parent. Yeah. Um, and cultural now, and, and religious. What, and, and what your adult relationship is with them now. Um, and how just, I almost think there's a bit of that inner child in them who is kind of, you're an adult now and your parents even older, but I still think there's a bit of that kid in you who will respond certain ways to a parent and a lot, you know, like, uh, and this, this parent or this client specifically now has children who the dad is actually more uh, expressive towards in different ways. And she never got that kind of love from this mm -hmm. dad. And so now she has those feelings and she's like, oh, and it's like, and so that's not uncommon too for, I don't know, some parents who might sure. struggle in their own ways for their kids. Now they're grandparents and it's just different things that way. But there's just so many layers to it but it's helping adult children heal from maybe past wounds and try to move forward and conceptualize their parents and what they're capable of towards them versus their own kids or whatever. It must be hard. Like, I'm just wondering if your client feels really rejected by her father and mm. in which case that would be so hard to say, um, yes, I love this person, but I feel completely rejected by them. Yeah. And like that is a bit of that yo-yo, right? And that would hurt so much to say i love them but i don't feel they love me mm -hmm. sure yeah I yeah think, I, yeah go ahead ryan i'm just gonna mention another little piece here which is sometimes i find helpful um kind of the work of uh of a, a psychologist out there named richard schwartz and he mm -hmm. um does something called internal family systems mm -hmm. um it's really been done for many years though just what people call parts work right like different parts of yourself mm -hmm. i think a lot of clients that that i have spoken with have a really hard time uh identifying feelings towards uh a parent or anyone in their life because there's they're sometimes in conflict they feel two different things at the same time mm -hmm. i love this person for some things i feel compassion for them because oh dad had a bad childhood himself but I'm also really upset about the way that he treated me. And so I'd like to, with some clients, it's, it, they find it helpful to just kind of break apart. Like, let's talk about the part of you that's really, um, that really loves your dad. You know, let's talk about that part that does have loving feelings towards your dad. What are, what are the great things about your history and about who he is that you really admire? 
let's talk about the part now that, that really are upset with your dad and really angry with him. Mm-hmm. And then let's talk about the parts that feel scared of him or that feel compassion for him. All you can split out as many as there are, right? As many feelings as there are. And I think that for some folks that helps it feel a little less conflicted, a little less uh, challenging to know that, you know, we can feel more than one thing at once and uh, they can be in different directions as well. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And if there's, I know there's guilt that comes up for her in some ways, like, holy smoke. So I feel almost a bit of indifference, Ryan, um, towards Mm -hmm. this person. Does that make me a bad daughter? Does that, is there an extra, you know, so I like that exploring the different parts though. And just normalizing some conflicting feelings there, given what's going on. And if, I mean, imagine though, if she has a 40 plus year relationship with this very primary person in her life, of course, she's going to have a whole host of emotions, right? Oh, yeah. There'll be many, many different emotions there. And and some may be loving, some maybe not. And that's, that's okay. Yeah, that's a nice way to break it down. I like that. I I think this uh, client of yours, Joe, has a lot of awareness as well. Yeah. Because uh, often, uh, again, as a child, your um, parents are often, they provide that template for love. And sometimes people have a very distorted idea of what love is um, because of that, right? Yeah. And for her to be aware of that and see that maybe love can be different and maybe, um, you know, uh, when she's parenting her own kids and when she finds a partner, maybe she can pick a different path there. Right. So a lot of awareness as well as, uh, yeah, being able to, um, maybe, you know, pay their own path or uh, pave their own path there and not just continue on with those, with those habits and patterns, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lots of things people could learn if you kind of are intrigued about how you are in relationships or just, you know, any, whether romantic or not, or, and just, yeah. And just looking back and, parenting how it was for you or attachment styles even to yeah i don't know yeah interesting things a lot of interesting it's an interesting topic it is an interesting topic and 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 yet to the second part of your question i want to ignore that too like why would someone have if i don't have loving feelings for him why would he still have uh, an influence over my life i mean i think we touched on that a bit but i think a lot of people who don't love you can have influence over your life, right? Yeah, I think that goes back to the attachment piece, though, right? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like whether, no matter what that relationship is like, we're mm-hmm. attached to our parents. Like, they, there's so many situations and um, uh, where it could be a very unhealthy, toxic relationship, but there's still that you're still connected to them in some way. So I mm-hmm. feel like um, you're probably still impacted because even though it wasn't the relationship you hoped for you're still attached to that person whether in one way or another mm-hmm. in my opinion that's just me that's how i try to understand it but. yeah 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 you've got the one you know one biological father i guess that's you know there's no replacing that regardless of how the relationship went well and the patterning of behavior over the whole course of your lifetime right like this person, you're going to have a conditioned response to how they are in your life, how they speak to you and what that means, if that's um, encouragement or if it's discouragement or if it's judgment or criticism or whatever it might be. Right. Um, So you're going to have an emotional response to that because you've been conditioned over the course of your years. 
Of course. And I think part of it too, with a primary caregiver, I mean, ultimately we want unconditional love and acceptance from them. And so there might be that piece of what else, like it might not feel completed until she receives that. Like, so there, that might be power, part of the power or influence. Like I might be loved if I, yeah, if I stay in the house, if I parent differently, if I get him this gift, if I clean the house, if I, yeah. it'll yeah. fix it. And it, and it like just kind of looking for that missing piece. Yeah. What more yeah, the, could I do? Yeah. Yeah. The yearning for approval, right? The yearning yeah. for love. Yeah. So true. So true. And if anyone questions the, the power of these early childhood dynamics, uh, even in adulthood, then just ask anyone who's lived apart from their family for a while and they go home for the holidays. <laughs> right? oh. <laughs> and they're suddenly <laughs> realize, Oh my gosh, everyone still talks to me like I'm a little kid or the same feelings come up for people. Um, yes. Even though years, decades may have passed, oftentimes the same feelings come up. We hear about is that. that. A, is that a little bit about being the youngest child there, Ryan? Well, maybe, maybe it is, Joe. We should talk birth order sometime, shall we? <laughs> I think topic uh, for another time. Yeah, yeah. We've got uh, we've got all sorts of things to say about birth order. I'm sure. <laughs> so, do we have do we have a good takeaway here? What's uh, what's the thing that people can can pay attention to as a result of this discussion? Oh man. Yeah, I think uh, I think mine goes back to your <laughs> to your conception of of love. I think often we're exposed to again these attachments early on in life, and that sets the tone for us. And sometimes it provides us a sense of familiar, uh, you know, it's familiar and safe for us. So sometimes we seek those types of loving relationships in our in our lives. So just being again back to awareness and understanding mm -hmm. that maybe it's not the healthiest um, uh, type of attachment or love, right? So. Uh, because we just again we see these patterns kind of continue on sometimes and it can lead to a lot of uh distress definitely yeah. well said chris well said well good luck joe i think uh this is a really interesting topic and mm -hmm. hope well uh, you and your client have some breakthroughs on this yeah i hope so too i think the conversation just started so it's cool we'll see what happens well, that's great. Uh, okay, everybody, let's wrap up then. We are the Mental Health Bootcamp Podcast. We can be found at our website, mentalhealthbootcamp.com. You can reach us by email at info at mentalhealthbootcamp.com. Mm -hmm. um, find us on our Facebook, on our Instagram, and basically anywhere anyone listens to podcasts, we are now listed as a possibility and With do us a, a favor future youtube right potential oh, yes. youtube yeah potential youtube we're gathering up some uh, some video for that and uh and please do us a favor if you don't mind subscribe maybe tell a friend we're really trying to get up there to uh to the northern territories and none of it's in uh canada and reach all the way around the world so Thank you very much, everyone. Yeah, thanks for listening. Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.